Father God, we just want to say thank you again for this opportunity to come to church and to worship you and to do things like baptize those kids. Lord, it is such a privilege. Father, I pray that you would help us to never take it for granted. But God, that we would truly humble ourselves before you this morning and ask you to speak into our hearts and lives. Father, we are so undeserving of your grace and love and mercy, but you give it anyway. And Father, we just ask that you would be here and be present among us, but also be present in us. Father, that every person in this room would just be willing enough to say that, God, if, if you are real, then speak to me this morning. And Father, I just, I want you to speak to me. I want to know you. I want to feel you in my life and to be able to know what's possible, to know what you would have of me as a God, as the God. Father, I just pray that you'd work and move in our midst today. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't with us. We lift them up. And God, I just pray that all of this would be pleasing to you. And if it's not, that you would show us what's pleasing to you so that we could do it. Father, we love you today and we thank you for this time together. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it is great to see you this morning, and uh, for all the guests and family members, thank you for being here. For your loved ones, you will play as much a part in their life as we will, if not more. And so uh, I just challenge you to remember that responsibility. So we're in week three of our uh, series on stewardship. Um, one of the things I challenged our, our people with two weeks ago whenever we started is that, you know... I haven't talked about things like money or anything like that in the past five years. Um, It's time. And uh, money might be the most important thing in your life, but it's not the most important thing to God. Money is just a small part of the way that we honor and serve God. And so as you're talking about stewardship, um, the first week we talked about understanding what stewardship is. And, And it's coming to the humble realization of we own nothing, but we are stewards of assets of God to glorify and honor Him. And understanding that leads us into the next thing, which we talked about last week, of understanding that God's nature is a giver. That if God is, in fact, the God of the universe and that He created all things, then all things are His to give, and in fact, He has given all things. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to be visible representatives of our Heavenly Father on this earth. So our natures as Christians should be that of God, which is to be givers. Okay? Now, today we're moving on and we're talking about some practical, um, some ways that we can apply this in our lives. And today we're focusing on our talents and abilities and really your personality and, and And for many of us in the room, these things 
will be even in some ways more difficult because we always think money is the hardest thing to give. I guarantee you money is flowing out of your accounts today as quickly as it's coming in for most of us. Right? I mean, like we say money's hard to give, but it goes pretty quick. So we give money a lot easier than what we think we do. But the real hard things are things like our talents and abilities and personality and things that, that, that make up who we are. Because then when you start thinking about your talents and the things that God has blessed you with, God is in essence calling you to give yourself away, which is much more significant than money. Because you know this, like you know, like when it comes down to it, you're willing to give all your money for more time or for health or for family, or, you know, it's like there's a lot of things like we, we say like, oh, these are the big ones, but there's a lot of things we would be willing to trade money for and time for and things for in order to get. So when you start talking about your talents and abilities and your personality and really who you are, who you were born, who God has created you to be, when God starts calling you to give that away, that's in essence the beginning of what it means to be a living sacrifice. And it's very difficult because, you know, we talked about this, this whole idea of stewardship is based off of faith. It takes faith to initiate a relationship with Christ, to receive forgiveness of sin, to put your trust and faith in Him initially, but it takes even more faith to progress in that relationship with Christ and to live it out for your, the entirety of your life. Because it's, it's a constant sacrifice, and it calls for more and more and more of you. And while that may seem very intimidating... You need to understand this morning that, that that is exactly the way that God has designed it to be. And that if we believe the reward that Jesus Christ has for us in eternity is what we believe it is, then it's very much worth it. And so today we're looking at a familiar passage of Scripture. This is Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30 will be the section that we're in. But I'm going to be skipping some verses in this. So more than likely, many of you are very familiar with this passage. If you are, great. You, you won't miss the verses that I'm skipping. If you aren't, go home and read the passage and get super familiar with it. So we're just, for the sake of time, for the sake of focusing on certain things, we're going to skip around on some verses. But let's start out with verses 14 through 15, and we'll move on from there. And Jesus gives the parable, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. So let's understand what's going on here. Jesus is communicating what the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, he is the master. Jesus is the master. He's the one who calls his servants together. He's getting ready to leave. All right, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit. Like he's trying to get them ready for all these things. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story that he's telling us. So he's the, he's the master. He calls his servants in. He gives them these amounts of money, these bags of silver, according to their gifts and their abilities. And then he's going on a trip. And so this is where we are. Let's skip to verse 20. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward. The master has now returned. 
with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. Well done. Good job. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. Great. I don't know if any of you are in investing or trying to make profits anyway, but 100% return on your, your investment is a pretty good return. Now let's look at verses 24 through 25. <clears throat> then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid. Think about that. He was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. And now we're going to skip to verse 28. And the master, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you look at this parable and you look at what Jesus is explaining here, the idea and the understanding of the things that God has given you in your life, like because there are, there are talents and abilities that you are born with. Like you, they're just innate in you. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your genes. It's part of your makeup part of your personality of how you were raised of, of things that your your family members have instilled in you that you just naturally have and on the other side of that double-edged sword there are also gifts of the spirit which come with our relationship with christ and being filled with the holy spirit and so you might be born with certain gifts and talents and in the same return, when you get saved and if you, you, you submit yourself to the Lord and, and you cry out and ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and that comes, then you will be gifted with gifts from the Spirit that you did not have before. And in both cases, it's very important for us as people to understand this morning that the, the natural talents and abilities and, and the spiritual gifts that you have through the Spirit and even things that make up your personality, all these things that are in your life, there is very much an expectation through your Lord and Savior to not only um, to keep these things safe and well, but to also produce a return upon which He has given you. And that's very humbling. Because many of us take for granted a lot of times the things that we're able and capable of doing and the things that we've, we've done. And a lot of times we misappropriate the credit and the recognition on where those things have come from. And so it doesn't even, it doesn't even click, like the switch doesn't flip whenever it comes time to really give God the credit and honor and the glory that he deserves in all things. And, you know, being a good steward is managing the assets of God. You are an asset of God. Your talents, your abilities, like the things that have influenced you in your raising that, that God has instilled in you, there's a reason why God has done that in your life. There's a reason why your parents were who they were. And, and some of the most difficult situations that you've experienced in your life, there's a reason why God allowed those things to happen. 
because you are called to be a good steward and to manage well what God has given you in order to help you grow and to build his kingdom and bring glory and honor to his name. And that's very difficult. So point number one this morning, we all need to understand and realize that God gives everyone talents. There's, no, there's not a single person in this room, there's no one who's ever walked the face of this earth that has not been given some type of talent and ability by our Heavenly Father that was specifically designed for you to glorify and honor God. There's not a person who's ever lived that wasn't given that in some way. God gives talents and abilities to everyone. And for you to sit here this morning and to think like, you know, I, I feel like I don't have any talents or abilities to help serve the church, or I don't feel like I have the ability to do this or do that, and, and there's just nowhere for me to go and nothing for me to do. I just, I just feel like I'm just not worth a whole lot. So basically what you're saying is, is, is you're pointing your finger at God, and, and you're, you're saying that you failed to equip me to do the very things that you have called me to do. And that's a crazy accusation because, I, I, you know, there might be some of us this morning who are bold enough to kind of have those conversations with God. Um, but, you know, Job, the most righteous man to ever live, pointed his finger at God and made some of those same like remarks. And then once he finally experienced God personally for the first time and he, he had that experience at the end of the book, he was like, nope, keeping my mouth shut. I realize now I was wrong. And he was the most righteous man to ever live. Blameless before God. For us to sit here today and point our finger at God and say, you know, like, you have called me to do these things. You have called me to live a certain way. You have called me to serve you and to build your kingdom. But yet you haven't given me the talents or the abilities or the tools in order to do that. That's just a lie. And that's a lie that Satan is telling you. That's a lie that your enemy, the enemy, wants you to believe wholeheartedly. Because if he can get you to believe that, then he has you stuck in a place where you are the third servant, where you are afraid. And you are incapable and you will mismanage what God has given you in order to serve and to glorify Him. Everybody has a talent. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, Peter writes to the Christians, and he, he talks about this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. As simple as that verse sounds, that's a verse that we need to cling to significantly in our life. Because God doesn't look at any of us and, and say, well, you know, you're just not very good at what you're going to do. I'm probably not going to be able to use you because I really screwed up when I made you. It's like you think about like the, who God claims to be, who Jesus claims to be in God being God, and you think about the, the idea of they created everything, everything that they made and created, and they saw that it was good, and the whole mindset of what Scripture teaches us for, for God to look at you and to be displeased with you or to be displeased with what He has made would be ludicrous. Like, like the very thought of that is accusing God of being below who He is or less than what He is. We don't realize the attitude upon which we approach God when we have that mindset. Even though we're thinking of ourselves sometimes, like we're projecting that on our Heavenly Father, that He is less than what we believe Him to be. He is not capable of what His Word says that He is capable of, and we are supposed to believe that He's capable of. But Peter says, use them well to serve one another. 
Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And notice what Peter's talking about. He's coupling this idea of God has given every one of you a gift that you're supposed to honor and glorify him with. And at the end of the chapter, he's like, he's, he's reaffirming the idea of serving one another, bringing glory and honor to God. That's what you were created to do. All right? Now, let's do a little bit of digging in the passage. Now, some of you, like I said, you're probably very familiar with the, with, with the passage we just read. Some of you may not be. But the New Testament was written in Greek. And so the word in this passage that's used for instead of bags of silver was talenton. Okay? And so when this is written, Jesus is talking about each one of these persons. Like one guy was given five talentons. The other guy was given two talentons. The, the, the third guy was given one talenton. And the word talenton is actually just, it's a measurement of weight. Okay, it's not an actual form of of identifying like the monetary value of something. It's actually like the weight of something. And so you can apply it to to anything you want to, which just so happens in this passage. It didn't really say that it was silver, but they assumed it was silver because that was like the most one of the most used currencies during the time. And the master was very wealthy. So as the master is very wealthy and he's given out these talents, like that's why in the New Living Translation, which we read today, it said bags of silver because it's just a measurement. You know, it's just like a general measurement. But I want you to pay very close attention to this before we move on because when we talk about measuring things, it's really important for you and I to understand that God measures and views things very differently than you and I do and very differently than the world does. Like the things that God has created and believes to be important and really stresses with us as believers to be important is very different than what the world does. Take, for example, this whole idea of baptism. We just did with these young ladies this morning. The rest of the world views something like baptism and communion and things like that that we do as being extremely weird. I know, I remember not being saved and coming to church for the first time and participating in those events for the first time and being like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. The world views things very differently than God does. And so as you're sitting here this morning, you need to understand that you may not feel like God has given you talents or abilities or gifts, or you may not even feel like you have spiritual gifts, but you need to remember that God does not look at you and value you the same way that the world does, very differently. This is why he said, you know, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the least of these. Everybody that the world values, every talent and ability the world values, God doesn't look at it the same way that we do. But you need to understand the measurement and the weight of it is significant. So point number two is your talent is much bigger than you realize. So let's go back to the passage. Let's talk about the the, uh, talenton. And the talenton was a measurement of about 75 pounds. So when you start talking about the bags of silver, you know, it's like you just think like, oh, here's a little bag of coins and we're just going to pitch this to the guys that take care of that while I'm gone. You know, it'd be kind of like your mom and dad giving you a dollar and be like, don't spend it all in one place. It seems very insignificant. But the Talenton was 75 pounds. 
So imagine bags of silver weighing 75 pounds each. Now, I don't know how you are on your current gold and silver prices or um, your math, but if you look at it, I, whenever I was finishing this up this past week, on Thursday, silver was $22.71 per ounce. 16 ounces per pound, 75 pounds, comes out to about $22,252. So when you start thinking about what Jesus is saying in this moment, about how he entrusted his servants with these bags of silver, you know, it's like we just think like, oh, we think on this minuscule scale, and there's parts of us that almost pity this third servant. It's like, oh, well, he, he might have been a little special. He only got one bag of silver. No, he got $27,000 worth of silver. Even though his talent and ability may not have been as great as the other two, according to the world's standard of the master's eyes, it was still a significant amount of money. I want you to think about this this morning. You look around you in this church, you look to the person to your left and right and in front of you and behind you. How many of you would pull $27,000 of cash out and give it to that person and trust them to return it to you whenever you came back from your long trip. Henry's honest enough. <laughs> now, let's th now let's switch the shoe on the other foot. Now I'm standing in front of him, so how do you think that makes me feel? Now let's put the shoe on the other foot. Let's just say somebody gave you $27,000 in cash and they said, you take care of this you invest this, you, you keep this in safeguarding while I'm gone. Whenever I come back, I expect it to be returned to me. What would you do with the $27,000 in cash? Because all it takes is someone to figure out you're carrying it. Like people have been killed for a lot less. Stores have been robbed for a lot less. And so you think about hauling around $27,000 in cash that someone could easily take and run off with how much fear and anxiety does that put in you in your life to be a person of integrity to make sure that you even return the exact amount back to them that they left you with? And when you start thinking about the third servant, it wasn't the fact that he was necessarily slow or incapable or he wasn't even trusted with that big of an amount. No, he was still entrusted with a very large sum of money given a very important task and yet he had enough sense to be afraid. He was fearful of his master. He was afraid that if he didn't return this amount of money that of what would happen to him. The guy's got a little more sense than what you and I realize, doesn't he? Because the weight of that 75 pounds of silver is more than just the weight of the silver. It's the weight on your life and your conscience and, and literally like could be your physical life. And this morning is so important for us to realize that the world may not see it or acknowledge it. Yeah, I guarantee you many of us read this passage of Scripture and never realized how much money the third servant had been given when in fact he had been given a very large sum of money to be entrusted with. In the same way, there's probably a lot of us in this room, a lot of people out in the world who, who want to be followers of Christ, they want to serve Him well, and at the same time, we look at ourselves and, and, and the, the things that God has given us, the talents and the abilities, they don't seem like much when in fact they're very much worth more than we could ever think or realize. Because they are. 
And we're not called to invest in the world and we're not called to impress the world, but to remind ourselves that we are foreigners in this world. That the measurements that the world is using is not the measurements that we are called to use. The values that we place on things should not be what the world is placing value and significance on. But we're foreigners investing in an eternal God with an eternal kingdom looking forward to an eternal life. What we are investing in is better than what the world has to offer. And the truth is this morning, if you have not got there in your relationship with Christ to to be so devoted to him to realize that what God offers us in eternity is worth more than anything else in this world can offer, then you're going to struggle in your relationship with Christ. You're going to struggle with sin. You're going to struggle in your relationship with Christ. You're going to struggle with just the simple concept of sacrificing in this world in order to get to the other side. And make no mistake about it, that's exactly what Jesus has called us to do. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths eat and rust destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven because it's eternal. And it's what you're going to. You're going to eternity. You know, you you can at least deduce this this morning that you are not going to be in this world forever like your day is coming. You know that. And so this is why Jesus says, prepare for eternity. Your talent is much bigger than you realize. Point number three, your talents must be invested. You cannot just have the attitude this morning that this is who I am, this, this, is, this is what I am, and if it's not good enough, then it's just not good enough. Like, we can't have that attitude. Because let's think about what it means to be saved, to, to initiate that relationship with Christ, to, to first acknowledge that we are sinners. So from the very get-go, as soon as you hit that start line and you say, I want to follow Christ, the first thing that we have to do is acknowledge that we are sinners, that, that we're not good enough. Now, we're not good enough to have eternal life. There's nothing that we can do to have eternal life. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor in any way. The only thing that we can do is say, I'm not good enough, Jesus. I trust in you to forgive me of my sins and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and your righteousness so that I can have eternal life. That's what we're saying. And so why in the world would we think that once that happens, then all of a sudden like we're just good enough? It's like even like your natural gifts and abilities and your talents and even your spiritual gifts, what makes us think that whenever we have those, that, that all of a sudden that, like now we're good enough and we don't have to do anything about it anymore? Because let, let's talk for a second. Any of you ever met somebody who's just like unbelievably naturally talented? They were just born like they just had it. I have played ball with people like that. Sports is kind of one of those things, like there are some people, like they're just born with it, and you can't put your finger on it. And, and it's so funny, like doing youth ministry over the years, and because a lot of your kids go through sports and they all want to play professional and all this stuff, and it's just one of those things. It's like it doesn't matter how much you try, some people just have it. But what typically happens is, is that the people who just have it, who are born with it, And you've probably noticed this in different things in life through the years. A lot of those people who just have that natural talent and ability, they turn out to be the biggest disappointments that exist. The most talented people 
turn out to be the biggest disappointments because they take it for granted. They don't ever work. They don't ever develop their skill. They don't ever like invest in those talents and abilities in any way. And a lot of times what happens is, is that people who are kind of mediocre, who have pretty good talent, but they're not as naturally talented as other people, end up rising far beyond those naturally talented people because they put in the extra work. They put in the effort. They put in the times to hone their skills and to, um, to capitalize on the things that God has blessed them with. And so as a believer this morning, you need to understand that God's given you natural talents and abilities. God has given you gifts of the Spirit, but you need to understand how important it is for you to develop those skills. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6-7. through 7. When Paul writes to Timothy, look at what he says to him. He says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. How cool is it? You know, like again, like you have this analogy. It's almost kind of like this parable thing that Jesus used earlier. Now Paul's using it. Fan this thing into flames. Any of you ever lit a fire before? All right. And if you don't have an accelerant of some kind, then, then you're just trying to get the fire started. And a lot of times, like whenever you're first starting it out, it doesn't want to burn well, and it just kind of smokes a lot. You ever notice if you just blow on it? Or if you got something like a piece of cardboard or something, you can fan it. Once it gets all that smoke and it gets all that, that, uh, that gas out of the way that's keeping it from burning, you get some oxygen to it, it's almost like the fire just, and it just starts burning. And then it's, it's started. And this is what Paul's saying to Timothy. He's like, look, when I prayed for you, I laid my hands on you. God gave you gifts. But you have to fan those things into flame. You can't just sit on it and put it in your pocket and say, oh, this is mine. You know, I was born with this, or this is what was given to me. It's mine. I'm going to keep it. This is for me. And then you don't ever use it. I mean, think about how annoying it is when you give a gift to someone and you want them to use it and you want them to benefit from it and you want them to enjoy it and they go and they put it up and they never use it. How crazy is that? Like, it's frustrating. So for our Heavenly Father to give us gifts, to give us talents and abilities and spiritual gifts and we stick them in our pocket and we never exercise them or use them or develop them in any way, it's one of the worst things that we can do. And then you look at verse 7, which is awesome because you think back to the parable that Jesus said and the third person, the third servant, he was afraid. He was afraid he was going to screw this thing up so he buries the money and hides it to make sure the master at least gets the exact amount returned back to him because he's afraid. Look at what Paul says to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. And guys, there are so many of us who are sitting here this morning and you love Jesus. We want to serve Him. We want to live for Him. We want to do things, but man, we are terrified. And I can tell you this from personal experience. Like For whatever reason, when I got in youth ministry, I was excited to do youth ministry, loved it, wanted to do it. It was very easy for me to step into that role. I was terrified. I, I resisted so much to go get ordained, to, to ever like look past youth ministry, to, to commit to doing it my entire life, commit to be a senior pastor. For whatever reason, I was terrified to do that. And because of that, I set myself back in a lot of ways by not pursuing the calling on my life that God had given me and some of the talents and abilities. I was afraid. 
And there's probably a lot of us in here, in this room, who, who many of you have the talents and abilities to do great things, to pray and speak and sing and teach and do all those kind of like big things that we think about. And we're just scared to do it because we think we're going to mess it up. We think somebody's going to laugh at us or we think somebody's going to, you know, have like whatever. And we got to remember the severity of what happens when we take that gift of God and we tuck it in our pocket and we never use it and we never fan it into flame to let God develop it so that we can glorify and honor Him. The outcome is not good. But you go to the place of the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. You see, so many times we feel so sorry for that third guy. You know, it's like we... We think he's slow and he just doesn't get as much when in fact his gift was very significant. And his talents and abilities, the master had enough confidence in him to give him the talent and ability that was worth so much more than what we realized. But yet he was afraid. And this morning, you cannot be afraid. You know, there's someone in this room right now, I'm not going to call his name, I pick on him a good bit. But uh, I remember one time in youth, uh, he was helping me out with youth ministry. And uh, I was, I was going to have to miss a Wednesday night for something. I asked him to fill in for me and to teach. And, and he was reluctant, but he did it. You know, it's like he did it. And then after I got back, I was like, how'd it go? He's like, ah, oh, it was terrible. He's like, that's just not me. I can't, I can't do that again. I was like, okay, that's cool. And it's It's fine. I've never asked him to do it again. He's never wanted to do it again. He's never like come back and said, yeah, I want to do that again. Like, nope, never done it again. But he serves the Lord and he serves our church in so many other ways. And to, to understand this morning, you never know some of the gifts that might be laying in waiting for some of you if you just try it. If you just step out on faith and do what God has called you to do, which is just to be humble and serve him. There are gifts that are just laying dormant inside of each of you that God is just waiting to bring to life. And in the process of it, you're going to figure out, like, I'm not great at There's a lot of things as a pastor I'm not very good at, and I try my best to get other people who are good at them to do those things because I stink at them. And then the other things that you do, you try to get better at. I know this sounds crazy, but we talk about this as a staff. You know, it's like not being satisfied trying to make sure that we're developing ourselves and developing our skills. Like from the worship team to youth ministry, kids ministry, like I listen to podcasts and sermons and I talk to other pastors and I go to conferences and I'll even go back and listen to myself preach, which is really painful. I'm sorry that y'all have to do this every week. And I'll watch some of our videos and like I tr- genuinely try to get better because I, if I believe it's important enough for you to come and endure it every week, then I should be as good as I possibly can be with the help of the Lord adding on to that. And as believers in Christ, we have to submit ourselves and humble ourselves to pursue the ministry of our Father, to pursue those gifts, to fan those things into flame, because there's going to be some of those things you're just not going to be great at early on, but it doesn't mean that they're not there and God can't develop them in you. Point number four, your biggest temptation will be to use them for yourself. When you look at the third servant who received the least amount of money, 
you know, he was afraid. But when you look at what was driving the fear, it was self-preservation. He was choosing himself over his master. And what we don't realize is, is in this life, like choosing ourselves over our master is not an option. And so as he chose himself because of fear, he took his talents and abilities and he suppressed them in order to self-preserve. So if you're sitting here this morning and you are afraid or if you are nervous or if you have anxiety and stuff and you're not trying to work through that and allow God to use you, I really encourage you to do that because in essence, you're, you're choosing yourself. You're choosing self-preservation over glorifying God. And we need to work through that in a lot of different ways. But the other thing is, is that there are some people who are just unbelievably talented, unbelievably gifted in their life. And for whatever reason, people are so tempted to use those things to advance and elevate ourselves in this world. Because it's, it's, in all honesty, it's easier to do that. It's easier to advance yourself. It's easier to make money. It's easier to build a career and a house and a kingdom and, and have all the things the world has to offer because we can see it, we can touch it, we can smell it, we can taste it. But it takes so much faith to sacrifice some of those things, if not all those things, for the kingdom of God and use those talents and abilities to glorify Him. But don't make any mistake about it. That's exactly what we're called to do. And remember, the most naturally gifted people usually end up being the most disappointing. There's a reason for that. You and I are called to serve God, to fan in the flames those gifts and talents that He has given us. And to always remember the parable. Remind yourself of the parable when Jesus said, For those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. You remember last week we talked about God's nature as a giver? And God has called you to be givers to represent His nature on earth. And the whole understanding of just practical understanding that if God has called you to be a giver, it would only make sense that he would continue to give to you, to replenish you so that you can continue to give. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be financial or there's going to be all these blessings because I told you I don't preach like that. I don't believe that. But if you truly love Jesus Christ and you want to follow him and your, your eyes are set on eternity and eternal life and you're storing up treasures in heaven, then whatever God gives back to you, you will be pleased with. You will be excited about. You will be ecstatic about it. And it will be so much more fulfilling and uplifting and rewarding than anything you can accomplish on this earth. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But for those who don't use what is given, they will be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this morning, when you talk about being a good steward, I think a lot of times we truly miss what God expects of us. To understand that in this parable, Jesus is talking about himself, like he is the master. 
And the third servant says, Master, I was afraid because I knew you were a harsh man. See, we always love to think about Jesus. Jesus is nice. He loves. He forgives. He's merciful. And all those things are true. He very much does. But for sin that is not forgiven and people who are not serving Christ and not stewarding what he has given them, we need to understand that if we are not serving God and living in his grace and mercy, the harshness of our master will be very evident as Jesus identifies himself as the master who commands that the one who stuck it in the ground and did nothing with it be cast in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. That's eternal damnation. Remembering this morning, like it's one of two places. It's one of two. We're headed for eternity. And eternity goes in one of two directions. And being a good steward of what Christ has given us, especially our talents and abilities, because it makes up who we are, and it leads us to the point of becoming those living sacrifices that we talked about last week, that sets us up well to go in the direction that we want to go, which leads to eternal life. But it's a decision that you have to make. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day and this time together, and we just want to say that we love you, And Lord, we ask that you would help us to serve and honor you in all that we do. Lord, to even remind ourselves that our talents and abilities are not our own. Lord, so many of us did not do anything to have the gifts that we've received. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to use them well, to serve you and to glorify you, to fan them in the flame so that we can improve and grow in those areas. Lord, help us to step out on faith. And Lord, help us to just be willing to do anything to glorify your name. And in doing that, Lord, we trust that you will guide us in the right places, the right circumstances, and the right positions. We love you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.